0: Since the time that I got there, the trainer on the whiteboard put up there and said, this is a truck. Things we never even knew. We knew about the truck drivers on the streets. You know, when you're a kid and you do your honk, honk with your your hand and then the truck driver, they honk back at you. We all know about that. I had family who owned trucks, but I never knew the back end, how it all happened. When you get to Quote, they put a lot of stock in the education. That's one thing we loved about him.
1: In a corporate world where all employees have great leaders with no egos that create fun cultures where people can do their best work, the employees and companies thrive while doing great things for the customers, themselves, and each other.
2: Well, we know that rarely happens. I'm Jeff Palaccio, I have been a leader for over 40 years for every t shirt sized company from small 16 employees to extra large over 1 million. Please join me while I interview outstanding leaders that will share stories of great leadership and not so great. It will help you become a better leader while poking fun at all the crazy shit that happens in corporate
1: America. Hi. I'm Joe Deshawn, and welcome to The Corporate Couch with Jeff Palacio. Today, Jeff is interviewing Jai Mays. Jai is the founder and president of Mays Freight Solutions, a freight broker and logistics solutions provider. Prior to founding Mays Freight Solutions in 2017, she had been in transportation and supply chain management for over 12 years. Jai is also the author of the book, Finding Your Toddler Ambition. She is a panel, podcast, and motivational speaker, and was recently honored by the Kansas City Business Journal as one of the women who mean business. You can learn more about Jai at maizefreightsolutions.com. Let's listen as Jeff talks to Jai.
2: Jai, I'd like to welcome you today to the Corporate Couch. Hi. Yeah, how are you today?
0: I'm not bad. How about yourself?
2: Oh, very excited to talk to you. You you've had a, a fantastic uh, career and you're, you've done some great things. So, uh, yeah, I think you and I we uh, I'll say virtually met when uh, Randy Powell was doing his uh, lessons in leadership podcast and you were a guest. So uh, I've heard a, uh, some of your story from that, and uh, we'll we'll dig into uh, a little bit more here. So uh, I'm very excited that you uh, took the opportunity to come out today.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited.
2: So uh, I always like to start with a fun question, but even that people that know you fairly well, what one or two things would they be surprised to hear about you?
0: That I quit or I gave up on something. Or they'd be surprised to hear that, um, you know, that's a good question. I know one thing that they would be surprised to say is, Cause I'm not a quitter. I'll keep going. You know, now you've right. got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. But That's right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't know when to fold them. I keep holding. So, yeah. <laughs> and another thing that people would be surprised at is if I, um, if I jumped out of a plane, if I took a big risk on a ju- like uh tandem jumping, something like that. Okay. So I'm a risk taker when it comes to business but I'm not risk a risk taker when it comes to my life. Okay. Well, yeah,
2: that's good. And yeah, uh, you're a Kansas city native, correct?
0: Yes, I am. Yeah. What did you love doing as a child? Love doing as a child. Wow. So I'm a PK, which is a preacher's kid. And so I grew up in church. So we were in church seven days out of the week. All the time, because yeah, of course, my parents are pastors, so they had to govern the church. And not only did we have church on Sundays, we had weekly services, but you know, it 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 still uh, deals with business, so they had to govern the church and and make sure all of the uh, back office things were done with the church. So we were always at the church. So I love to play the drums. That was that was the thing, my favorite thing to do was when we got to the church, I had to get on the drum set and I would um, improve my skills daily because I wanted to be the best drum player at the church. Also, I love to sing. And so my mom was one to put us out. We were, we are a musical family. Everyone, if we don't play an instrument, we sing in our family. And so uh, getting on on the stage and singing or pretending I'm in front of a big crowd and taking the mic and, uh, you know, pretending I'm Diana Ross or someone, you know, just in, the front, in front of a big crowd. And Love so it's it either playing the drums or singing. Those were my two things that I like to do as a child. And I also like to mimic my mother. And <laughs> uh, she was a, a businesswoman. She's a glamorous woman and a businesswoman at the same time. So she had a briefcase and she was always dressed up nicely. So I'd like to mimic her and And I would like to try to carry a briefcase and dress up and a note pen as if I was very busy, like she was always busy. So those are things that I would do as a child, too. Those are those are my things that very that really excited me. Yeah. Uh,
2: What's your favorite song to
0: sing today? My favorite song is um, it's called Blessed. And I can't remember the the uh, producer. He, he comes to mind, but now I'm drawing a blank, but it's a song called blessed. And I sing it in my head all the time. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come and when we go and we fall down, you know, uh, but God, he lifts us back up. And so that's one of the, the songs that I sing in my head. Oh, beautiful. Time. I hum it all the time.
2: Beautiful. That's very nice. <laughs> very nice. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, growing up in Kansas city, then you decide to go, I think we you got your degree at national American
0: university. Yes. Yeah. So I started off at different colleges in uh, Neosho County. I had a tennis scholarship there. I ventured off to another college and uh, just, you know, I, I'm gonna be honest, you know, it, I did, I take it as seriously as I should have. Not really. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then, uh, while I was away, my mother ended up getting hurt. So I told my, um, my my dean and everyone, I said, listen, I'm going to move back to help my mother. My father passed when I was 14 years old. So she had been taking care of the other four siblings. Other, actually, the other three, my oldest brother went to the Navy. I went off to college. And so there were three left. She got hurt. And so I came back to Kansas City and I finished at National American University. And
2: what was the, you got a degree in... Uh... Business Administration yeah so uh, business degree what what led you to for that major
0: watching my mother and my and my father they were my father was always a businessman also and he you know when I was young my father's blind by the way so he kept my my brother and I the oldest two he kept us motivated all the time uh, don't be a victim he never said that he said sky is not the limit you know there's something beyond the sky so but he always taught us business. He used to sit us down and teach teach us about money management, credit, the possibilities in life. And so uh, between my father, my godfather, which is, his name is William Hawkins. He is my father's, uh, they were very close, very good friends. Um, He owned a financial firm and took care of all of my dad's financial business, even with the church and things like that. My mother owned a bakery and she was also a singer so she had a group that traveled all around Kansas, uh, out, actually all around the nation, not Kansas City, the nation, and would open for like people like Earth, Wind and & Fire. And she got to say thank for Jesse Jackson. So there was a lot of business. My dad was her manager. So I used to see a lot of business happening all the time, right. whether it was church life or my mom's group life or her bakery. So it's just being being in business. That That was our main thing. Yeah. learning business.
2: Did you have aspirations ever of becoming a singer in your adult? I, yeah. I did.
0: I did. I wanted to become a model. I was tall. My mom's six feet tall. So I wanted to become a model. And my father, he cut that out immediately. He says, right. no, no, no. Because and I had an opportunity. He's like, no, you will never, you'll never, you'll never. So that was done. <laughs> right. But I wanted to be a singer. I did. And it just, you know, Mainly what I was singing was gospel. So because my parents were uh, pastors, the secular world, secular world really didn't, I really didn't get into that. I wanted to be a jazz singer, a lounge singer. I also wanted to do that as well. And my sister kind of took that on and she was doing lounge singing and jazz singing and it just took a turn for me. So I just sang in church and I sing around the house now. And every once in a while I was sing karaoke.
2: <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah,
2: I've done karaoke twice. I'm not sure I'm doing it again, but it's <laughs> <all good>. uh, <laughs> It's
0: fun. It's fun. I love it. I love it.
2: <laughs> what was their first job out of college and how did you get that
0: job? So my first job out of college. So here's, here's, I'll tell you this. Here's a funny story. I finished college, which I thought I did. And when I went to collect my degree, walked the stage, cap and ground, and cap and gown. And this was about let me see, my daughter turned one. No, she was six months. So she's seven now. So this is eighteen years ago. Eighteen years ago, they told me I was done. No, I wasn't. I come to find out, I was one class short. Oh, jeez. <laughs> 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 so when I thought I was done, I got discouraged. I said, you know what? I'm not doing this. I'm not I'm not doing this, you guys. You've robbed me on my degree. I don't want to go back. Well, 10 years later, I went back to get that one class, Principles of Accounting 3. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I know. Try <tried> doing that. <laughs> well, good for
2: you that you did that. <laughs>
0: yes, I did. So I went back, and I was already working for Quote when I completed that last class okay so the lesson is and takeaway is it's never too late right you know uh yeah i i got all the way to the finish line only to find out that they said i was short one class i did get discouraged and said you know what i don't need this i'm already have a great career i was in transportation i don't need this and but then i did finally go back and get it i mean you know we're all human and things like these happen. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You see a lot of professional
2: athletes even though they're rich and famous and uh some do it while they're in their career or even after like Ray Allen went back to get his degree and if you, uh, there's a, a numerous athletes so it's it's impressive because it's like you obviously didn't need the no principles of accounting 3 you were right. successful. <laughs> you know. Uh so Yes. Yeah, so tell us about your Quote experience and why did you go to FreyQuote?
0: Quote. So I was introduced to FreyQuote through a friend of mine. She called me one day. I was just, you know, I, I was jumping between jobs. I was in corporate America. And when you're in corporate America, you're just trying to find your way. Uh-huh. You know that this is something you want to do. I like, I was doing data entry, customer service, and... Sometimes it feels like, ah, you know, is this the path that I want to take? And I'm still trying to find myself. You know, I'm thinking corporate America is something I want to do, but I'm trying to find myself. I haven't found the niche yet. I tried several businesses, which were dealing in the beauty industry. So, you know, I tried to venture out and start some of those. That didn't work out the way I wanted them to. So I closed those down. So I had tried several things. A girlfriend of mine called me and told me she had got this incredible job at an incredible place. And I said, tell me more about it. And she was like, they're family oriented. Everyone is there is is so nice, so cool. And they paid pretty well. I said, okay, well, I'd like to know more about it. So I went in and she got me set up to where I can get an interview. And uh, I I did interview. When the lady told me all the opportunities, she actually told me that I interviewed for more than what I applied for. She said, you would be perfect in a different position, but unfortunately, we don't have those positions open. So I told her, I mean, the way she had explained the job to me, I told her, it doesn't matter. You could put me in the mail room. I just want to get my foot in the door. I like it here. I want to be a part of this. My girlfriend rants and raves about it. She says, you guys have beer Fridays all the time. I've got to be a part of this. What is this? (laughs) So she said, okay, well, listen, I can start you here in this position. It was the lower level position. I took it. You know, the the you had to work late, come in late, work late, customer service. I didn't care. I knew in my mind that give me six months, I'll be out of here. So during the interview process, she also told me about sales. I had never done sales ever, but she told me about sales. And she says, that is the position that is the most lucrative. It always stuck in the back of my mind that, I should probably venture out into sales. Well, I got into customer service, it worked well. I started talking as you know, the whispers. I started talking to different people in the sales department saying, "Hey, can you tell me about this? Can you tell me about that? Can you tell me about this?" They did. When I was in training, the trainers when you take you know, you take a personality test, the trainers came back and told me that my personality test equaled sales to the T and I would be good in it. And they came to recruit me, but then I was in customer service, so that manager said, "Nope, you can't take Jai away from us. <laughs> We're gonna keep her down here." That's fine. Two years, two to three years, and working with uh, FreightQuote, I finally got into sales. And lo and behold, in the first year, I advanced very quickly. And in about three years after that, I was top ten. I was in wow. the top ten slot for yeah. sale. Amazing. So it it is it is yeah. it is. I I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah.
2: So uh, it's interesting. So what in your background growing up, your college experience, because, you know, you're a competitive tennis player, obviously, you know, because you played in a, you know, a post high school level, you're a singer, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> music, musician, obviously, you know, you get being a tennis player is competitive, sales is competitive. But what, what do you think in your you know, foundational background growing up, you know, made you a good, a great salesperson?
0: watching my father. So, and there were people who shaped me, honestly. So my father was blind. One thing I learned about him was he was, he was a negotiator. He was such a negotiator. Sometimes when I was young, it would get on my nerves. We'd go places to buy something he negotiated. Come on, dad, we're at Foot Locker. They already told you it's $29.99. Why are you asking him for a coupon or, hey man, can you get this to me for $20? You know, it's that was just his nature. He negotiated every price. He never took that, uh, what was on the table or what was on the shelf as a go. He never did. And people would cave for him. I mean, they would offer him, they would come up with coupons coupons that didn't exist they would call the manager out because he 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 negotiate his way through everything so i had that growing up there were other people in my life that shaped me i i was around real estate agents and i was around insurance life insurance agents and i would shadow them in places that they would go and people who owned large insurance firms i i was in the circles with those people And I would just watch and shadow what they did, how they negotiated, how they were movers and shakers and how they would close deals. And I was always intrigued by that. Never thinking that I would have to use these skills that I have been around to, I I, I never thought that I would have to use them. But all of a sudden, when I did get into that position of sales, everything replayed in my head of what I learned and how I shadowed. And I started using those, uh, I applied that knowledge, you know, you, you knowledge is power, power, no, applied knowledge is power. So I started to apply what I learned and it just ended up working out for me. I also used to listen to sales reps. I have a brother who's a very slick talker as well. I used to watch him, he's very slick, you know. <laughs> I used to watch him with the ladies and I used to watch him as he negotiated uh, things when he was in real estate, he was, he was very slick, very slick talker, very fast talker, very slick talker. He'd always get the job done, but man, was he brilliant on how he did things. Um, I I used to watch him talk himself out of tickets. You know, I was young riding with my brother. He would be speeding or doing something he wasn't supposed to do. He would talk himself out of the ticket. And so everything that I was around, I just applied that what I learned and I would put it in. And the number one thing that my father would teach me is even as the church, he would teach me to listen because he would have so many people come to him with their problems. His main strength was listening. Hmm. And so I took that as well. that to listen to the problem. Listen to the pain point. Don't come up with a solution yet because you don't even know what the problem is.
2: Yeah. I love listen that.
0: to the problem. And then when they're done, That's when you take some time and you come up with a solution. You can't come up with something right away. And so I learned that. And that's what took it to the next level with me in sales is I would actually listen to the customers, listen to their pain points, and I would let them know that I'll get back with you with what we can do. But I would never come up with something immediately unless it was one of those scenarios where I had to come up with something immediately, but I would want to come up with a strategy or a solution that was for a long for, for longevity, not a quick fix. You see what I'm saying? It takes time. That takes time. So applied knowledge. I applied all that knowledge that I got from my dad and all his old school friends. And I, I used to listen to the older, the older people a lot. I was young, but I would listen to their conversation. You know, when your kids are eavesdropping. So sure, absolutely. <laughs> I was a nosy one, yeah. but I I, you know, I would have key takeaways that I would take from every scenario in my life. I grew up around older people. I had an older soul. They call it an old soul. I, I never grew up around my peers when I was older, when I 17, 18, 19. I was always around people who were 10 years older than me, 10 to 20 years older than me. And that's just how it's been most of my life since I was 18, 19 and 20 years old. Because, and I mainly wanted to learn so I could know what not to do. If you know, there's a lion around the corner, you won't go around the corner to get mm-hmm. eaten by the lion. So I was always wanting to know what to do, what not to do. Well, I love
2: that. Uh, it's great that you really had all these mentors growing up that helped uh, form you as a, you know uh, a great. An accomplished salesperson. Was there any books you read that helped you in in your uh, uh, evolving as a a great salesperson?
0: So I love the the book The Slight Edge. I read Blue Ocean, Red Ocean. Well, the Blue Ocean. I call it Blue Ocean. I take it from the book. Uh, But the Blue Ocean is really really good book. Talks about yeah, I've heard of that one. Tell me about. I'm not familiar with The Slight Edge. What is that one about? So The Slight Edge, Jeff Olson. So The Slight Edge is a really good book. The Slight Edge talks about procrastination. It also talks about taking the chance, the risk, pulling the trigger. Let me see if I can explain this to you. So Slight Edge talks about the doers and those who don't do. I'll give you an example. You you say you're going to exercise, (laughs) but you put it off. You put it off and you put it off and now you're 400 pounds. But if you would have started the first day that he said you were going to exercise, then you would not be 400 pounds. Or you can eat a cheeseburger every day, every day, every day. And even though that cheeseburger might not give you heart disease today, if you continue to eat that cheeseburger every day, you will eventually get heart disease. Another scenario is you have a friend, you have, there's two roommates. One says, I'm going to start saving $5 a paycheck and the other keeps putting it off. Well, you're three years down the line and the other kept putting it off, but you've got the one that saved $5 every paycheck. He's got a huge savings. Now he's jealous. Now the one who put it off is jealous. So it's more of procrastination. right? That's yeah. one thing I like about the Slide edge. It It tells you to take action, don't procrastinate. These are the consequences if you procrastinate. These are the rewards if you take action. That's what The slide Edge is about. It's a really good read. I'm just giving you, yeah. I'm summing it yeah, up. Yeah, no, that's great. No, my takeaway from yeah. it. Um, Another book that I, uh, Think and Grow Rich, that's another book that really helped me out. Characteristics. Yeah, classic, Napoleon. Cla- yeah, Think and Grow Rich. I think I read that book many, many, many times. The uh, Another book that helps me out is, I just got it from Steve Johns, uh, The Hero Code. It's a really, really good book. And again, it's about taking action, compassion, um, putting yourself down. And my number one book that, that makes me very successful, honestly, is the Bible. I read it daily. Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs, the book of wisdom, mm-hmm. is what started me on the journey. Faith, it's a faith book also. Right. But Proverbs, you know, uh turn to the ant. He stores up the food during the summer so that he's okay for the winter. Right. So I look at a lot of those Proverbs. I read King Solomon a lot, especially when I'm having an issue. I'll go back to the book of Proverbs in Ecclesiastes to set me straight. And I also go back, if I'm having a bad problem, I'll go to the book of Job and say, wasn't that bad? So I can handle it.
2: Right. Yeah, That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, the most uh, read book of all time, right? It has to have some wisdom in it, right? It
0: has <laughs> lots of wisdom, it. and it has carried me along the years. Yes, yeah, it has.
2: That's really nice. So, uh, Freight Quote, what was the best thing about Freight
0: Quote's culture for you? He had a family culture, and he had a work-life balance culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He did not want you to take the work home, but you're in transportation. You're going to take it home, Right. okay? But he didn't want you to feel the need to have to take it home.
2: Right.
0: When we were at Frey quote, it was more of a, a learning, and it was very family oriented. One thing I did like about Tim is he allowed people to talk to him. He wasn't puffed up. He wasn't stuck in the air. He wasn't I'm better than you. He would give the stories on how he was. He 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 was very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He could relate to anyone. You know, if you've, if you've been, if you had something going on in your life, he had a story to relate to it. You know, nothing came without hard work. That was what he instilled in all of us. So, so we call it freight quote university. That's what we call it because most of the people who have come out of freight quote has gone on to do other things in supply chain, whether they own a warehouse or a trucking company, they are, they started their own tech company or they started their own logistics company. We all call it Freight Quote University because since the time that I got there, the trainer on the whiteboard put up there and said, "This is a truck." Things we never even knew. Now we learned we knew about the truck drivers on the streets. You know, when you're a kid and you do your honk honk with your your hand, and then the truck driver they honk back at you. Oh yeah. We all know about that. I had family who owned trucks. Oh yeah. But I never knew the back the back end of what how it all happened. When you get to Freight Quote you're going to learn. I don't know if they do that now. I don't know I don't know if they they still do that. But he took a lot of they put a lot of stock in the education. Right. That's one thing we loved about him. He also gave a lot of incentives. And everyone he was he more had more of a health it was a work life health balance. He wanted you to be healthy for one he cared about you. He cared about your family. Tim knew one thing. It wasn't just the employee that he had to look after. He had to look after the employee spouses. He also had to look after the kids of the employees. So it wasn't just one employee. It was the spouse and the children that he knew he had to look after. He created an environment that made you feel like he cared.
1: Uh-huh.
0: All of his sales reps I'm not going to say, all, you know, there's always some bad apples, because it's the people who spoil it, not not the <laughs> not the establishment itself. It's usually the people, so you <laughs> you get rid of those, and you right. bring in better, better people. Yeah. But um, he also he made ways for advancement, even in customer service, there were bonuses. People just love to to love to be there, love to work for him. Loved it. And I remember there was a bad lawsuit that came in that that happened with him. People wanted to sue him. People were just, you know, when you get to that level, they sue for ridiculous reasons. I mean, they just come after you just for, for dumb reasons, just to get ahead. And I remember that. And I remember there was a big class action against him. And people were saying, are you going to sign it? You're going to sign it. I said, no, I would never do him like that. He's been too good to me. And we didn't even know each other. But he had been too good to us as employees for me to even take that leap to sign that. And I I see how he changed even just the culture of free quote, changed many lives, changed many lives. When I worked at free quote, when I joined the sales team, Jeff, that was the most money I had ever made in my life. The most money. And and I was well over the hundred thousands of dollars, Mm -hmm. but to give me a platform that I was able to do that. That was unheard of in a lot of places, unless you went to Harvard or MIT or law school or became right. a doctor. You understand what I'm saying? Sure. You know, the eight that they give you in school, You know, lawyer, doctor, policeman, I you're not making that much. Right. Firefighter, they only give you certain careers that they want you to fall in between. He right. created something different. Right. He gave us a whole new outlook on trade. Trade runs the world. Oh my goodness, why can't we didn't think about that? Where's the light bulb? trade transportation mm-hmm. this is how we eat this is how the food gets from the farm to the table this is how my clothes get here yeah. this is how every necessity we have which is lumber and um uh, uh food and essentials this is all that all of this is moving mm-hmm. he gave us a new perspective on the world on trade and on and 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 an just life so that's how he changed my life I thank yeah. him for it all the time. I send him a text every once in a while and say, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for what you did. Because he also yeah. took time to teach me some things. Yeah, you know, And I know he taught me because I asked. Again, I, I'm not a risk taker when it comes down to my life, jumping out of a plane. But man, will I take a risk for knowledge? I've always been one to ask. So when I would take the time to ask him a few questions on how did you get started with this? What can I do to improve my life or how can I advance he take the time to sit down and talk to me about it mm-hmm. as a ceo oh. and so him and I became good friends and if he was dishing out information I was taking the information you had a notepad <laughs> and, and a pen no pad and <laughs> pen yes I did and every chance I got I asked the question yeah that's nice and,
2: well, yeah that says a lot about Tim then uh yeah you know, uh, I, I worked at Capital One uh, Home Loans here in Kansas City and with similar environment, you know, phone sales, uh, you know, had uh, opportunities to make a lot of money, you know, if you did the work and uh, but sometimes crazy stuff would happen in the culture, right? Because you get a lot of people that are, you know, type A salespeople, uh-huh. you know, wanting to make a lot of money because they have multiple homes. They want nice yeah. cars. Some crazy things sometimes happen you know, uh, at work or, uh, you know, after work. <laughs> Any yeah. type of those stories you could share from the Frequent days?
0: Crazy things that had just happened, you know. Yeah. Not, you know, not, not many cr- crazy things. People, you know, I remember truck drivers getting mad. And so, so one truck driver came up to the office, wanted to speak to somebody. He was like,
1: Da-da-da-da.
0: I don't know what yeah. that was about, but... Not nothing really, it was it was a really smooth operation he had. Mm -hmm. Now I've got some stories about some of the things that has happened in the freight world where, you know, uh I think customers were shipping bad things. I think one truckload had mattresses. And then when it got to the receivers full of roaches, you know, I could talk about <laughs> things like that, sure. or, you know, unorthodox things yeah. Yeah. that we didn't know were shipping right. that the customer said, we're going to ship this. And when you got to the shipper, it wasn't that product. Okay. So, uh, what, you know, what is, there's some, a lot of unorthodox things that we did learn about that, uh, people were sneaky and doing uh, things that were unethical.
2: (laughs) Well, people are going to be people. So yes, they will. Great people. And there's uh, not so great, right?
0: (laughs) Yes. So
2: tell me, after nine years, you rank in the top 10 reps in in terms of selling. You're doing so well. And then you decide to say, okay, I'm going to take what I learned and I'm going to start my own company. So what was your thinking there and you know leaving a, such a successful position making the most money ever made in your life
1: the
0: opportunity for women so at this time i had been learning about woman-owned businesses minority-owned businesses and and there were two things i did this for women and i also did it for my ecosystem the black community there was two things the reason why It's because, yes, there was tons of opportunity that Tim presented, but we didn't know about it. It was a hidden gem. The only way I knew about it was someone called me and told me. But this was a hidden gem. This was a hidden career. Again, they're not telling you when you're in high school about logistics, are they? (laughs) No. 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 (laughs) They're telling you lawyer, doctor, firefighter, scientist, judge but no one is talking about logistics or trade. Right. No, so it was hidden. So there was two reasons. I saw a lot, of money on the, a lot of money on the table for women-owned businesses. And I said, man, I could take this to the next level. And I can also show women that, hey, you too can be in this position and be successful. Two, I said, man, I can take this back to my neighborhood and I could change lives with it. Because if it changed my life, it could change a lot of people's lives. So my whole goal was to, I can show people how to control logistics, give them opportunity to help them feed their families. Those were the two reasons I opened Maze Freight. Nothing to spite Tim, nothing to spite the company, I just had, and and here's the thing. Tim had always told me, you're a leader, you're a leader, you know, you're a leader, you're a leader. And so when I called him after he had sold the company and told him what I was doing, the first thing he said was good. It's about time. Mm -hmm. And that right there, you know, I had already prayed about it. My husband was my number one cheerleader. You can do this. This is what you're destined to do. You have to do it. You have to do it. When he told me it's about time, It was kind of like, okay, all right, this is it. This is it. So a bird knows when it's time to leave the nest. I knew it was time to leave the nest. And I knew that it was time for me to create opportunities. Now I went in a total separate uh, section, Tim When he was freight quote, he solely focused on LTL, less than truckload. That's less than truckload, meaning one or two pallets, less than a full truckload of freight. Okay. That was his main niche and it was software. And there's, I ran more of the full truckload. That was my niche, but I also wanted to take it to the next level. I learned about heavy haul, which is heavier freight, everything above 48,000 pounds, that was my niche. That's, that was my desire. That was my heart's desire to move bridges, windmills, heavy machinery. So that's the level that I took it to. And then when I left, also, I saw the opportunity with the military, with uh, Northrop Grumman, you know, with all of the arms and the weapons um, manufacturers for woman owned. So I went after that. And I can only do that as a woman-owned. I can only do that as a minority-owned. I could not do that under the umbrella of Frequo.
2: I see. So you couldn't do the heavy haul under under the Frequo umbrella?
0: I could. I could do the heavy haul under them, but I could not do the contracts for woman-owned and minority-owned. Right, because, minority right. yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. And I, so when I saw that money on the table, I said, man, I can go get that create jobs teach someone else how to do it create a franchise so that's what we do at maze free it's more of a franchise we teach you how to do it you go on and you start your own team through our company
2: oh i see yes yes okay yes um yeah because i noticed that on linkedin you, the number of employees was low mm-hmm. but so it's basically you 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 1099 those people or yeah
0: you 1099 them and they have their own teams yeah
2: interesting um so after your first six months you start the company so you started six months ago in 2017 what was your biggest surprise like what was your biggest learning like oh man i didn't know this what was this
0: everything, (laughs) (laughs) everything. Yeah. So I knew how to sell. I could sell. I'm good at that. Mm -hmm. But then when you're the business owner, you have to wear all the hats. So you're the marketing person. You know how this goes, Jeff, you're the marketing person. You're the accountant. You're the the bookkeeper, and you're also Chief the customer officer. service rep. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to learn how to run a company. Mm-hmm. One advice. So the first thing I did was before I started, I reached out to Score. Score is a program that helps mentor and get business or business uh, or entrepreneurs started. I did reach out to Score, mm-hmm. and I had a, a nice mentor. So he taught me everything to do. This is how you go get my, my brother has started several businesses. So I already knew who to go to. How do I start this up? Where do I go? To Secretary of State, EIN. He was my go-to on that. I told you he's that's he's the guy. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so he taught me that, but I still needed to know how do I get a business account? How do I get a business line of credit? What do I need to do? And so I talked to Score and The first thing he told me that has resonated with me, he says, before we get started, I want to stick this in your head. I said, what is it? He said, grow slow and stay in control. He said, I see you're eager. I see you watching all of these venture capitalists. You're watching Silicon Valley. You're looking for a venture capitalist to come in, drop millions of dollars on you, and you're going to. (laughs) I said, no, they hype you up in the movies, don't they? You know, and I was looking at the the um uh, what is the movie? Uh War dogs the guys who were arm dealers for the for the military, War dogs and they got all of these government contracts on Fed biz ops and they just made all types of money. I think Jonah Hill was in it. They were arms dealers. And so I'm thinking, "Oh my god, we can do this. We can get all these contracts." Yes, so they had me hyped up. I was like, "And we can move all of this stuff. We can do this and we can do that. And he looked at so me. But you hadn't
2: thought about the government contracts until that movie? Or you already had that in your mind?
0: uh uh-uh. it was the movie.
2: Oh my goodness. That's it was, the
0: movie. Really it was it. the movie. It was the movie. It right. was the movie. Because yeah. I started looking into it. And then when I saw that it was woman-owned, I said, oh my goodness, woman-owned.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about the government. It was the movie that inspired it. So you'd be surprised on how much this movie has inspired me. <laughs> Uh I didn't go in arms, but I was in freight transportation. Yeah. And so uh, where was I at? So yeah, that's where the inspiration was coming from. And what happened was we did grow. I I can sell. I'm I'm a great seller. I can sell. I can sell. Honestly, in the second day that we launched and opened, we got the first customer, first customer. And so got that guy. It was running smooth. I had got credit cards set up to be able to take credit card payments. Uh, I had got my, I remembered things. So I was reaching out to some good friends over at DAT, which is a software company that uh, is a transportation management system, software company. I had to get set up with them. I reached out to uh, someone called truck stop. That's another transportation management system. And I, uh, they, they, they helped me put my contracts together Okay. says you're going to need this as a broker. You're going to need this for your carriers. You know, you're going to need this for your BOLs. So me, I'm going to seek counsel on everything. I don't know everything. What I'm going to do is reach out to the right people to get the knowledge on how to do things. So they all help me out. They help me put all the contracts together. They were so excited. I had made relationships with these people. I had a good friend had a relationship with over. He owned a trucking company. I told him what I was doing. He says, Oh my goodness, Jai, I'm so jealous because I want you to come over here and run my company, but you have to do what you have to do. So I'm going to help you. So when it came down to carrier payments, he was helping me pay my carriers and I would just reimburse him. Great guy. Great, great guy. Mm -hmm. When you're the new kid on the block, you have to have a certain amount of money because when you're the new kid, a new broker on the block, carriers don't trust you. And trust me, they have every reason not to. There's a lot of theft that goes on in logistics and, and trucking. So the drivers don't trust you. So they, they want their money up front. I was told this before I went out on my own. I was told this. So I prepared for it. I prepared for it. And so what I did is I would have to pay the drivers up front before they even. So I was smart. I said, you know, I'm not going to pay you. All at once up front, what I'm going to do is you get to the shipper. I'm going to pay you half. Once you get to the delivery, I'm going to pay you the other half. Okay. That's what I had to learn. Not to give all your money up front because I got scammed. Right. (laughs) Got scammed. And so I got scammed once in the beginning. So life is the best teacher.
2: Yes. Yes, it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, I did not know how to handle the growth. I didn't know how to handle the growth. I landed a large customer, a large guy. And I'm thinking, okay, good. He's going to pay me in 30 to 45 days. Um, I'm going to go ahead and set this credit line up with this carrier. I did that. Well, sometimes I did. I did not know on the back office that sometimes 30 days can turn into 60 days. (laughs) 60 (laughs) days can turn into 90 days. So I've got a backlog of invoices that have not been paid and I'm out of money because I've had to pay the carrier. I didn't know that. Right. Wow. I wasn't prepared for that. Also, I wasn't prepared. I think this was 2018 and steel tariffs. Remember that? Steel mm-hmm. tariffs that came out. Right. Three of their, our customers had to shut down because of that. I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't prepared enough to deal with losing three companies. So I wish I would have grown slow and stay in control. I didn't really take that to heed. I caught myself. I was in a $100,000 hole, Jeff. Wow. A $100,000 hole had a bunch of back invoices that had not been paid and I had to dig myself out of it. So what did I do? I, I I went old school. I went old school light bill company. Listen, I don't have the whole thing, but if you let me put $50 on it today, I'll pay you in increments as this goes along. <laughs> right. I got my debt paid off. It was $100,000, got the debt paid off. And what did I do? I started taking classes. So after score, I went to scale up. Which is at the Kaufman Center right. or through UMKC. Uh-huh. And since that time of scale up, I've been taking classes, reading books, YouTubing, listening to podcasts. Um, I brought on there was a, a gentleman who helped me who who really took it to the next level, Nick Ruffin. He was the trainer at Freight Quote. Before Tim sold the company, Nick had moved on to become Uh, He worked for a credit card processing company and and moved on to be interim COO for that company. And when I first started Mays Freight, I saw in the vision, I prayed, I said, God, you know, I'm going to need help with this because I don't know everything. I just know I want to bring the best people on to create a successful company. And Nick Ruffin was not available at the time. I went to his wedding, my husband and I went to his wedding thinking we're getting ready to go recruit him at his wedding. He was talking about the company that he worked for, how he loved it so much, they're going to take over the world. So I looked at him, my husband, I said, well, he's not coming. He's not coming. And so I got very discouraged, but I kept moving forward, still wearing all the hats. I was on dinosaur uh, spreadsheets. I did everything through spreadsheet, everything. You know how that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did have some good friends uh, that worked with me at Quote who was in the IT. They helped me get set up. Tim had my back. Tim, Tim was there with me. He helped walk and coach me through a lot of things to where I didn't fall so hard. He's the one who told me that Josh, sometimes you can grow so fast, you'll grow right on yourself right into a hole. And so I had to take heed to that as well. Dig myself out of that hole, take myself to school to learn how to be a CEO. Several months later, I get a call from Nick Ruffin saying that he was looking for new opportunities. And that's when I knew God was on my side.
2: Wow. That's great. Nick
0: Ruffin came into the business. He's uh, very proficient in uh, technology, uh, running efficient companies. So he looked at my operation and said, you know, I like what you're doing and and my numbers were great. I mean, I was, we were profitable, yeah. numbers were great, but everything was on spreadsheets. And he's like, we've got to put it into this. So right. he's the first one who got us set up on systems. And ever since he got us set up on systems, we've taken off and we've run tremendously. He actually runs the majority of the company I you know I'm making deals meeting people and closing big deals but he is the operations guy Uh, we also have Deidre Craig who is a part of our organization and she takes care of all of our HR and takes care of um, our budget and our bookkeeping the one thing I did have to let go was I had to learn how to let go of doing it all I had to let go of that and letting someone else take on different aspects of the business. That was a hard thing for me to do. I've got Deidre Craig. She takes care of a lot of things. And then we have the team. And then we have our sales team managers who, again, they're franchisees. They have their own teams. So it's been a growing process. I've been up and I've been down. I've been scammed a few times. I've had uh, agents scam me. We've been, uh, they've stole from us. You know, I've been through anything you can think of. I've been through it.
2: Obviously, you're a lifelong learner. That's how you get better at things. If there's one book recommendation for a first-time entrepreneur like yourself that would help them, what what would your recommendation be for
0: them? Think and Grow Rich.
2: Think and Grow Rich. Okay, nice.
0: The reason why I say Think and Grow Rich is because he's giving you the characteristics of a successful person. Uh And that comes along with tenacity, patience, compassion, and and diligence. Because before you jump into being an entrepreneur, you need to make sure you have patience. Before you jump into being an entrepreneur, you need to make sure you have resilience and tough skin and that you can take, take some blows. And you also have to have faith. It teaches faith, which I am a Bible reader. I know about faith, but it teaches you faith. It teaches you future forward thinking. And I would say, read that book to go ahead and set you, put you in the mindset of success.
2: Uh
0: It, It plants that foundation, plants the seed of success. And once you read it, you want to pull the trigger. You want to... You want to activate what you've learned. But I say you have to think it first. See, the book is Think and Grow Rich. Right. <laughs> so it starts, that the seed has to be planted in your mind. Uh-huh. And, it, and the book also talks, it gives you different scenarios on Henry Ford, on the Carnegie's, on how Henry Ford failed time and time and time and time and time, and time again, but he didn't stay down. He kept moving forward, and it finally worked. Mm-hmm. So it's the thinking first, right. and then the growing. I would recommend that book to anyone.
2: I did uh, hear in a, another podcast you did part of your. I don't know if it's the hiring process or after they're aboard but you use vision boards. Is that part of the think and grow rich mentality? Yes, it is. Because yes, I'm, I'm very familiar. I've done a vision board much uh, <laughs> or twice, I, I believe in them, but I've never heard of a company kind of yes. instituting. So w- what is that So we like? don't
0: do it as far. Yeah, actually, we did, do it as a, we did do it as a company. Actually, we did. Yes. More of a triage and more of a, where we want to where we want to go. So, yes, we did. We moved on. We our vision board. When we first started, we had to start. So when you first start, you take any company or any customer you can get. Okay. Well, well. Whether that's LTL or truckload or whatever you can get. And we still have different uh SKUs and different revenue streams that we're working on because it's on our vision board. Uh-huh. So we have a vision board for the company. I have one personally, my husband has one and we have, yeah, for the company, we have different revenue streams that we're also working on through Maze Freight. This one, I knew I wanted to do heavy haul and I knew I wanted to secure the first contract also. That was on the vision board. Yeah, Securing our first contract and moving our first heavy piece of equipment. We've done that. So now we're on to the next SKU. or the next uh, revenue yeah uh, the next right the next thing
2: yeah uh tell me a little bit about your hiring process when you're interviewing i uh it seemed like you asked a unique question the kind of you because what you're looking for is high achievers right you want people that are motivated to be successful hot you know help as many customers as possible that they can add value to them as well as they Achieve prosperity through helping as many customers as what's your screening process like to tr- to find those people because it's obviously
0: difficult yeah, it is difficult because we work on a commissions base, so we look for people who aren't ones who want a quick fix. This is not a microwave world. this is not a microwave you're going to have to hustle so we look for hustlers we look for hustlers and we look for more of competitive edge people. So there's two characteristics we look for, more of an athletic, competitive, and then also military mindset. And the reason why we look for that, I watch my husband, he's ex-military, but he's very organized. I mean, and if you give him a test, He's going to do it. Like Every military man, my brother's military, my dad was military, my husband's ex And they make their
2: beds first thing in the morning. They and the, and, and, the and
0: they're, exactly, cool. and everything is <laughs> n- nice and, and tidy and neat and very organized. I mean, even the sticky notes are just in the right location. <laughs> like, everything he does. So these are two characteristics we look for. Competitive nature and a military mindset. Why is that? is because in this business there's so many other organizations that are going after the same thing you're going after mm-hmm. what is going to make you different and how can you add value to the customer what is what is going to make the customer say okay I'm going to choose you to do business with versus Joe Blow over here cuz we're basically doing the same thing but what are we doing different and how are we adding value that's and though though these are characteristics i need someone with a You know, that uh, commercial, I have a wonderful personality, I have a brilliant personality. I need that. I need that. But I also need someone who has thick skin and can take getting yelled at. You have to be able to take that because if something goes wrong and a customer is frustrated, you have to be able to take that on the chin with the customer being frustrated because something did go wrong and they're frustrated. And if something goes wrong in transportation, that can mess up their production. We don't have... Things that happen often, but when they do, you got to be able to take it on the chin and roll with it. You can't be sensitive. So we don't look for sensitivity. We look for thick skin. We look for a competitive edge. And we also look for people who are organized. You're in the
2: midst of running a company, starting a company, learning about all aspects of the company. And then what made you write your book about entrepreneurism, a different approach, I believe it's called Finding (laughs) Your Toddler, which I I love the title. Finding Your
0: Toddler Ambition.
2: But what was the inspiration to write that book? Because you're obviously busy.
0: (laughs) So, you know, watching my children. I watched my kids as as they were growing up. So children, you know, children, Jeff, um, when they get a certain age, I can do it myself, mom, or watching them walk. How many times they fall, uh-huh. learning how to walk. Uh-huh. They don't stay down, do no. they? They do. They do not stay down. That's right. Toddlers are the determined individuals. That is the most determined time in their life. They want to feed themselves. They want to tie their own shoes. They want to fly. What is their definition of flying? It could be jumping off the bed, but in their minds, they're flying. Uh-huh. So. The tenacity to keep walking, the tenacity to run with the big kids, right. the tenacity to learn how to ride a bike. They're right. going to fall many, many times but they're going to get back up and then they're going to learn how to ride.
2: The no fear mentality.
0: The no fear mentality. You've got it. That is what the book is about.
2: I love it. Yeah, that's great. Yes. Well, see, that's the book you should have recommended for first time entrepreneurs then. your own.
0: <laughs> you know, I always I know. I <laughs> promote myself. I'm always <laughs> thinking about things that I've other and my husband tells me I say, You've got to talk about your book. You've got to I'm not like, oh yeah. yes, I did write a book. And it is a good book. And it really is a good book. People get motivated by that book. Yeah. It is finding your toddler ambition. Yes, it is good. Yes. I yeah,
2: I love that. Um there's two groups I love to help uh with great leadership advice uh from uh great leaders like yourself. The first group is that person that comes out of college you know uh, you know, no matter what age, but they just got their college degree. Let's, let's pretend it's the 22 to 23, 24-year-old. What advice would you give that group of people to get their first job and to start their professional journey?
0: I would say, don't go out here with a high head thinking that you're worthy of X amount of dollars when you have no experience. So get some knowledge under, get your feet wet, get your feet wet, add value to the job. Here's my thing. Don't go on expecting the job to give you everything that you need on your checklist. What value are you getting ready to add to that employer? Go in with a, with a mindset as is, is I wanna help them grow. I want to add value to this new team that I'm with and whatever it takes. Nowadays, no one has that mail room. I just need to get in and work my way up mentality anymore. No yeah. one has it. I don't even know where it's at. I think they just want to get rich on YouTube. I think that's <laughs> where they're at, Jeff. YouTube and TikTok. I think they just all want to be in- influencers <laughs> right. coming straight out of college, you know? <laughs> but the advice that I was would give is get out here and you go add value to someone. Don't look for a handout. You be the handout, go add value, learn. That's what we had to do. That's what I had to do. I had to work in my mom's bakery. I had to grow. I had to grow. I had to, I had to dig deep. I had to get my hands dirty before I achieved or was able to achieve what I did have and now working to achieve now.
2: Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, the second group is now you know you work for a company or you go to a different company, and now you get promoted. You're a manager, so now you're responsible for people. So now you're you know, and from the org chart, your manager, leader, whatever the title is. What leadership advice do you have for them as they embark on their leadership journey?
0: Again, don't be puffed up. (laughs) Puffed up leaders, grind my gears, you know. (laughs) Here's the thing. No one is alike. No one thinks like you. Everyone has different personality. Everyone has a different work rhythm, okay? So listen and create a culture that everyone would like to be in. I had a I had a boss, if Ray right quote, one of the best men I ever had. His name is, I will call his name, John Layman. John freaking layman. And he was an unorthodox type of manager. You know, I, I believe he told my VP now, uh, my VP who works for me now, Nick, he told him, I want you to take my job. He was the manager then. And so we both have stories on this guy. But This guy pushed me. He pushed me. He used to tell me there's more in you than you think. So I'm going to attach you to this task because I want you to do more. You have more in you, do more. And then what he would do is he would reward little bitty things, reward for good work, just small rewards for good work. Okay. If you did something wrong, he would never oust you in front of the group. He'd always pull you to the side. He would never embarrass anyone. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He would never embarrass you. He would always encourage you. And every day that I went to work, I would go to work for him. It's like no one else mattered. It was only to make him smile and to make him look good as the manager. That's why I went to work, to make sure he shined. Because he was very encouraging to me. He never disrespected us and he never made anyone feel out of place. If you did, if you were not a great fit for the team, he would find you somewhere else. He would place you somewhere. He would already had made a connection with a different manager to say, can't. I think this person aligns with this type of group. She's not right for it. He wouldn't fire you. He would find you a different, a different task. Uh So he saw the good in people. And when he did see the bad in people, he would help you to work on that to be better. That's what a good leader does. That's what a good manager does. They don't kick you when you're down. He would pick you up, dust you off, and let you know that you can be better. That was John Lehman.
2: That's great advice. Great advice. John, you've been phenomenal. Love your energy. You, you've just always you. Great things. Uh, but And I think even greater things in the future. So thank you so much for coming on the corporate couch today.
0: I Thank you so much for having me. And I, and I enjoyed our conversation. I hope someone got something out of this. And yes, you're right, Jeff. Finding your toddler ambition, a different pr- approach to entrepreneurship on Amazon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> use discount
2: code, the corporate couch. No, I'm kidding about that part. Thanks, Jai. Oh. <laughs> Have a <laughs> great you day. My-
0: you too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take <laughs> care.
2: You just have to love Jai's energy level. I I knew I had to come with my A game uh, to uh, talk <laughs> yeah. to her. Uh, I just love what she's done at uh, such a young age. I mean, she pioneered being a black female in a you know the transportation industry and, and in sales. So selling to kind of the I'll say the good old boys club and being top ten salesperson out of you know seven hundred reps and. And then, after a really successful time at uh, Freight Quote, which is now uh, C.H. Robinson, she, in her mid 30s, started her own company to help bring more females and and people of color into the transportation industry. I mean, just incredible. And then, you know, then she has time to write a book, you know, Finding Mm -hmm. Your uh, Toddler Ambition. You know a different approach to entrepreneurship and talking about you know how kids can teach you so much and they don't have a fear they're the best salespeople. they're not afraid to ask questions so i just anyhow great great person just i really enjoy talking to it's her
1: an amazing success story all around it, it yeah. really was i tell you you hit several buttons on for me personally with chai she's a church person. She's a musician and she's a drummer. And that ticks every square. uh, Right in your wheelhouse. Right in my wheelhouse. That's exactly what I am. And that's exactly what I understand and what I appreciate. So I fell in love with her immediately as soon as, you know, in the first few minutes of the interview that I heard that that was going on, I thought, okay, this is somebody that I'm really going to like. One of the things I pulled out that I was really impressed with is when she was talking about describing her favorite boss and the relationship that she had with him and she wanted nothing but to make him look good that was the whole purpose in her life matter of fact i even wrote down this quote i want to make sure i get it right i went to work every day to make him shine and i think that is such a wonderful healthy way to approach business it comes real close to a philosophy that i've always had in business where I say that the secret to succeeding in business is to first of all, make your customer happy and second, make your boss look good. If you can do those two things, you will be successful in business. And that's uh, that was one of the keys to success that Jai had, an, an amazing career, an amazing success story.
2: Yeah, and it's only going to get better. You know, she's, I think she's uh, in her early 40s. So uh, yeah, she's, she's got, got a, a way to go. More. Yep. Yeah, so any, uh, any leadership wisdom you want to give our audience today, Joe?
1: Yeah, today it's a real short one, but it comes from that great philosopher, Stephen Wright, who one time said, borrow money from pessimists, they don't expect it back.
2: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Corporate Couch. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love for you to take two minutes out of your day to rate us five stars and write a review. Please join me next week to learn from another great leader sharing their professional journey and insights.